Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. in the A.M. Oh, we're in the middle of our Kalbach special. It's a little limited this year. Usually, uh, when his uh, when the Kalbach yard site is on a, um, I mean, for instance, on a weekday, on a quote unquote regular day, we'll clear the entire morning or close to the entire morning in order to present literally, you know, almost every minute of the show Kalbach. Uh, Fridays are a little bit unusual in that regard because we have um, a divrei Torah that uh, for the parsha that are, that are going to get on the air. We have guests, including Malcolm Holmline, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents, who's going to join us for a weekly update. So a little bit different um, in terms of Friday, but when we have time for music, which we certainly have in this first hour, then the music of Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach is on on his. Uh, on his yard site. So, Lule Tarascha, Adir Hu, Pe'er Vachavod, Zachreinu, Kihem, Zehayom, Bowie, Vaha'er, Lamanachai, Od Yushama, 10 amazing selections. Plenty more to come. And of course, Regesh, Modani opened things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday, JM in the AM, for a uh, October the 22nd, day 16 in the month of Mar Cheshvan. The year is. Uh, Five seven eight two. Tufshin um Tufshin Pei Bays. And again, as we said on the sixteenth of Marcheshvan, today is the yard side of Rip Shlomakalbach. It's Arab Shabbos Parsha's Vallejo with candle lighting time in New York. Five forty four. Five forty four is candle lighting time in New York. Um yeah, candlelighting time in New York, 5.44 on this uh, Friday Erev Shabbos. Make sure you know when things start where you are. By the way, here in the United States, we changed the clock on the 7th of November, which means we have, what, two more Shabbatot, right? Two more after this one um, on, stand, on daylight savings time, and then Shabbos will begin really early in this part of the world. Um 62 degrees outside with uh, 73% humidity. Winds are west at 9 miles per hour. 
and your forecast for the New York area. Mix of clouds and sun, high temperature 71 degrees, partly cloudy tonight, 54, and then Shabbos morning clouds, afternoon sun, and a high temperature of 62. That's it, just 62 for tomorrow? Looks like a pretty rainy week next week. Right now in Yerushalayim, we've got 74 degrees, 63 here in New York City. As we say good morning at JM and the AM. Harry Rothenberg coming up at the top of the 7 o'clock hour with uh, words about Parshas Vayera, or Vayudin, of course, in hour number 3. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us coming up in uh, uh, coming up about an hour from now, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM and the AM. And the plenty more on a Friday. Plus, of course, Mark Zomik with the Arab Shabbos Show at 10 a.m. Presented by our friends at Kedem. Kedem presents the Arab Shabbos Music Mix in the final hour at about a quarter to five uh, this afternoon. Um, all presented by the wonderful people at Kedem. Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night, which is continuing to get an amazing audience reaction. That's with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis. So solid every single Sunday. Live performance. Can't thank Matis enough. And then Monday, of course, we are back here at JM in the AM. More Shlomo Kalbach at JM in the AM. The whole world is waiting to sing this song of Shabbos. The whole wide world is waiting to sing this song of Yes, it's true! The whole world is waiting to sing To sing this song of Shah and Isaac taught Jacob to sing this song of Shabbat. So when we were slaves in Egypt, we sang this song of the Almighty set us free. We sang this song of Shabbat. We came to that holy land. We sang this song of Shabbos. We built their holy temple. We sang this song of Shabbos. The holy temple was destroyed. But we sang this song of Shabbos. They sold us as slaves. But we sang the song of Shabbos. I saw six million dying. They sang the song of Shabbos. Can't you hear their last will crying? Sing the song of Shabbos. In prison, in Leningrad, in Kiev, in Kharkov, in Moscow. Do you know what they're doing all day long? They sing the song of Shabbos. In cold Siberia, do you know what keeps them warm? Only one thing, 
they sing this song of Shabbos. Do you know what it is to be a servant of God, a real son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Wherever you go, sing this song of Shabbos. Whatever you do, sing the song of Shabbos. So let's teach our children to sing the song of Shabbos. Let's teach our parents to sing the song of Shabbos. Let's teach each other to sing the song of Shabbos. Let's teach the whole world to sing this song of Shabbos. So therefore, come back to Yerushalayim, sing this song of Come back to Yerushalayim, sing this song of Come back to the Holy Shabbos, sing this song of Shabbos. Come back to the Holy Shabbos, sing this song of Shabbos. Come back to war on God. Sing this song of Shah. Come back to war on God. Sing this song of Shah. Can't you hear the echo? Sing this song of Shabbos. Can't you hear the footsteps? Sing this song of Shabbos. The great day is coming. Sing this song of Shabbos. The great, great Shabbos. Sing this song of Shabbos. The whole world will be one. Sing this song of Shabbos. Because God is one. Sing this song of Shabbos. It's up to you and me. Sing this song of Shabbos. To bring this great day. Sing this song of Shabbos. So please don't ever stop. To sing this song. Please be very strong. Sing this song of Shabbos. Abraham taught Isaac to sing this song of Shabbos. And Isaac taught Jacob to sing this song of Shabbos. We will teach the whole world to sing this song of Shabbos. Because the whole wide world is waiting to sing this song of Shabbos. La 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 la
la la la la la la la let's go Yeah. 
The Yard Side of Rib Shlomo Kalbach at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of web and AchimSegal.com and the AchimSegal Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. Galitza on the background to our news from Israel coming up Friday morning. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayera, candle lighting in New York, 544. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Enjoy a 10% discount on all Abels and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code RADIO. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954, and A&H products are available at Better Kosher Supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. More Shlomo Kalbach coming up. Harry Rothenberg, Rabbi Yudin, Malcolm Honline. It's a Friday. It's JM in the AM.
Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to JMM. Galitzal, the נמשכת פגישתם של ראש הממשלה נפתלי בנט ונשיא רוסיה ולדימיר פוטין בסוצ'י. הנשיא פוטין אמר בפתח הישיבה, בין ישראל לרוסיה נבנו יחסים ייחודיים. אנו מתאמצים לשקם את התשתיות בסוריה ויש נושאים בעייתיים, אבל יש גם מכנה משותף והזדמנויות טובות לשיתוף פעולה, בעיקר בכל הקשור ללוחמה בטרור, כך פוטין. כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג מציינת כי המשלחת הישראלית נערכה מראש למצב בו הפגישה תתארך, והמשלחת תיאלץ לבלות את השבת בסוצ'י. מאות מתושבי אום אל פחם משתתפים בשעה זו בהפגנה מול תחנת המשטרה בעיר עם דגלי פלסטין. הם מאשימים את המשטרה במקרי הרצח לאחר שהשנה נהרגו יותר משמונה תושבי אום אל פחם מפשעי אלימות. כתבנו לענייני החברה הערבית אדם פראג' מוסר שמוקדם יותר היום ביקר השר לביטחון פנים עומר בר לב בעיר, נפגש עם בכירים בעירייה והם דנו כיצד למגר את התופעות של אלימות ורצח. חשד לרצח בתוך המשפחה בבית שמש, אישה כבת חמישים נדקרה למוות בביתה בשעות האחרונות. בנה בשנות ה-20 לחייו נעצר בחשד לביצוע המעשה. המשטרה אספה ממצאים מזירת האירוע וממשיכה בחקירת הרצח. לטענת השכנים, החשוד לוקה בנפשו ואושפז מספר פעמים בעבר. כתבתנו בבירה עשהאל פלד מוסיפה כי במהלך סוף השבוע תבקש המשטרה להאריך את מעצרו. גבר בן 36 נפצע קשה בתאונת דרכים סמוך לצומת שער הנגב בנסיבות הנחקרות עתה. כתבנו בדרום רמי שני מוסר שצוותי מגן דוד אדום טיפלו בו ובעוד שני פצועים באורח קל עד בינוני שהועברו אחר כך למרכז הרפואי ברזילי באשקלון. ברשתות התקשורת הפלסטיניות התפרסם תיעוד מפעילות כוחות צה"ל אתמול בקלקיליה במהלכו נראה אחד הלוחמים כשהוא מנפץ ש... שימשה של רכב פלסטיני ללא סיבה הנראית לעין. בתיעוד נוסף גם כן מקלקיליה, נראה כלי רכב צבאי הנוסע בכביש מנגח מכונית פלסטינית אחרת. מדובר צה"ל נמסר בתגובה כי נסיבות האירוע מתוחקרות על ידי המפקדים. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש. לוחמי משמר הגבול עצרו ארבעה אוטובוסים ובהם יותר מ-200 פלסטינים שוהים בלתי חוקיים שהסתננו לתוך ישראל ללא אישורים. כתבנו ביהודה ושומרון שחר גליק מוסר כי האוטובוסים נעצרו באזור כביש החוף כשהם בדרכם לירושלים, וכי אחד השוהים באוטובוס הוא מבוקש שנעצר בחשד לביצוע עבירות ביטחוניות. מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע בעיר עד מעונן חלקית עם טמפרטורות רגילות לעונה, אלה החדשות.
jam in the air with Shlomo Kalbach. It is his yard site, and it's the day that we allow the music playlist to be dominated by his amazing selections. Harry Rothenberg has some wonderful words about Parshas Vayera to share with us. Here he is on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. All right. Not sure why we are having trouble with the audio. Give me a second and we will try to rectify that. JM in the AM on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Parshas Vayera. Candle lighting time. It's at 544 here in New York. 544. Full day here on the network, including Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbat Show, special for Parshas Vayera, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That is coming up on um, that is coming uh, that is coming up at 10 a.m. this morning here at the Nachum Single Network, <laughs> and of course uh, our Arab Shabbos music mix and phenomenal programming all day long, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Our final hour will begin about um, a quarter to five Eastern time later today. Uh, before Shabbat. Harry Rothenberg, Parshas Vayera, JM in the AM. If you hear any background noise, enjoy it. That's the sound of the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem. I received an entry permit to visit the Holy Land along with 80 fellow Jewish fathers, and it is great to be back in our homeland. This week, Avraham is sitting outside his tent. He's three days removed from having circumcised himself at the age of 99. If it were you or me, we'd probably be inside the tent popping Percocets. But this is Abraham. So he's outside the tent in extraordinary pain, but he's looking for guests to host. And so God sends him guests, sends him three angels dressed as men. And he and his wife, Sarah, prepare a lavish meal. The commentators explain that Abraham had three cows slaughtered and served each one of the guests their own cow tongue. Now, you may find this surprising, but I'm not an expert in the weight of cow tongues. So I had to do some research, and it turns out that the average cow tongue weighs three pounds. So that's nine pounds of tongue for three people. The average person at a meal eats about half a pound of meat. So you're talking about enough tongue to feed 18 people. He's only got three guests. If you look at the amount of dough that Sara uses for the bread and cakes that she makes, that's also a preposterous amount. And the last time I checked, there's no indication that when God sent the angels disguised as men, he disguised them as NFL offensive linemen. So why are Abraham and Sarah preparing and serving such a ridiculously over-the-top lavish meal? And the answer, according to one commentator, is that when it comes to kindness, when it comes to chesed, it doesn't make sense. There are no boundaries. There are no limits. You keep giving and giving and giving to your fellow in need. And this is a particularly important lesson for Jewish leaders because Avram wasn't just the first Jew, he was the first Jewish leader. If you're a Jewish leader, every decision you make has to have baked into it care and compassion and mercy and kindness. Yeah. 
Come on. 
J.M. in the A.M. Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach on his yard site, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Our friends at Gaia Coffee remind everybody how easy it is to have a fresh-brewed cup of coffee early in the morning or any time during the day. You literally fill up your mug, your glass, your cup with hot water. You toss a Gaia Coffee brew bag into it, and that's it. You're all set for a fresh-brewed cup of coffee. Absolutely delicious. We've tried it. It's amazing. If you're a coffee lover or a coffee, regular coffee drinker, you have to at least try this. What do you do? Get your starter kit. Place an order. Go to GaiaCoffee.com, G-A-I-A, coffee.com. Feel free to use promo code radio for your 15% discount. Promo code radio for your 15% discount. Again, GaiaCoffee.com, G-A-I-A, coffee.com. Check it out and enjoy. Lots of great comments on the app this morning. Feel free to go to the um, NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Boker Tov, listener Tikva says, Osa. Hafrashat Chala Lichvod Shabbat, the Shabbos Project. Shabbat Shalom. And thank you for listening in. She also uh, messaged me privately how nice it is to be mafresh Chala and bake Chala while you're listening to great Kalbach Erev Shabbos music. Uh, Trucker Yitz, Erev Shabbos listening as Trucker trucker Yitz uh, takes a trailer of Mayim Chaim water to the Catskills. Amazing show today. We just heard at 3 a.m. Thank you. That's a thank you on behalf of Mark Zamek. It's great Erev Shabbos show, to say the least. Uh, Trucker Yitz, sounds like Reb Shlomo is going to entertain us uh, in JM in the a.m. Yeah, he's been on since 6 a.m. <laughs> Chaya, Reb Shlomo continues to inspire. Must be a great concert on high. Nachum of Wonderful Shabbos from Yudi Silber. Happy anniversary, Sandy and Joel Rosenwasser. Happy anniversary, Sandy and Joel Rosenwasser from all of us here at JM in the a.m. Uh, J.A. Mora, only into the second song here, and I'm in music heaven. I was too young as a child to know and appreciate the music of Rav Shlomo Kalbach, but now as an adult, I relish the songs and soul of his compositions and marvel at his greatness. And oh, how many songs taking back to my childhood and school performances. I'm sure the angels in heaven will be enjoying it as well. Wow. Uh, Klops92, good morning, Nachum. Can you play me? Well, we did one of them in Komchas before. We'll certainly get to the other one. Uh, good morning. Good Shabbos from AJA Carpool number 204. Hello to the families in New Jersey, to our families in New Jersey. It's listener Daniel. And yeah, we're going to try to get to Mimkom. I don't know if we'll get to Schwarzer Wolf today. Maybe we'll do that 
uh, next week as a postscript to the Kalbach special. We usually don't do it actually during the Kalbach special, but maybe afterwards we'll try to sneak it in. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us coming up. Plenty more at JMN.
Side of Reb Shlomo Kalbach. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. We'll get back to the Kalbach selections once we do our weekly update and once Rabbi Yudin speaks to us about Parshas Vayera here at JM and the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos with candlelighting in New York, 544. 544 candlelighting in New York. Keep in mind our friends, excuse me, keep in mind our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. JewishWorldReview.com has a, is a resource with thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world that you could feel free to print out before Shabbos and certainly read anytime online, go to jewishworldview.com and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday mornings, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, tov to you. Uh, you. I'm sorry? I think. <laughs> Boker Tov, you think. <laughs> hey, it's a Kalbach special. Obviously, it's a great morning. Uh, it's, also, it's also a great morning for those of us who want to get to Israel uh, because, I mean, <laughs> you're going to say to us, rightfully so, stay calm until we get the official, official, official word. But right now they're talking about vaccine people, vaccinated people from the United States being able to get into Israel starting November the 1st. Obviously, we know <laughs> all too well how much that could change over the next few weeks uh, or over the next few days. But um, I, I guess we'd have to say that it's a it's very encouraging news. Would you agree? I would agree that uh, the early reports and the committee that is charged with this um, has been working diligently to, to try and make it happen. 
the as I said, it depends on the statistics of the week, and they are going to require people to have a third shot and will have to be within, I think, six months right. in order to be valid. All right. So that's it. I mean, if those are the two things, then uh, then that's hopeful news, and we'll see what happens. And uh, just to clarify what Malcolm just said, they literally are looking at things on a daily, well, I guess like every country on a daily and weekly basis, so things can change, but hopefully not. Also, the, the one other thing here is reading about a new variant that, that seemed to have been coming in from one place and now is coming in from multiple places into Israel. So obviously over the next few days they'll worry about that and to be concerned about that as well. I, I, I was worried, Malcolm, frankly, as cynical as I am, I was worried that there'll be you know a vote to the full government, which has to happen, right? There's going to be a full government yes. vote. And that, and that, and that, what will delay the process will be will be what type of deals and machinations are going on behind the scenes because certain people for their votes are going to have some demands. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it could happen, you know. So anything can happen, but to right it has to go for the full cabinet. Right. But people they know the frustration, and we've tried to communicate to them the the difficulty. People who have been out of Israel for two years, many people have children there. Right. Both studying for the year, but more importantly, living there or parents or others, and it's it's an unhealthy situation and really frustrating. So hopefully that will help. And it's interesting; we don't realize how lucky. Well, again, hasn't happened yet, but we in the long run we're probably going to say we don't realize how lucky we are because there are a lot of countries where Israel is not recognizing the vaccine from those countries. There are about a half a dozen countries that are red. More by the numbers, the statistics, like Russia and others that have the surge. But Europe is having, I think, a seven percent surge right now, nice. which could put people, uh, some countries, back online. But Australia, for instance, has just lifted what has been almost a year-long, often on uh, lockdowns that have been going on there, and they've been very, very strict. And they still only allow twenty people in a synagogue and limited uh, in many ways. Most of the Regular stores are still not open, so it's uh, you know the countries impose each one imposes their own rules dealing with the situation as they see it. Right, and they all think they're making sense doing so, and let's hope they are. Uh, you're always um, you're always into discoveries like this. What was your reaction when you heard a 900 year old sword was found off the Mediterranean coast? Well, it's I mean as you know I get very excited by all of these discoveries, yeah. but this one in particular. Uh, and, you know, it was a diver, just a person who was um, uh, diving not for professional purposes but for his purposes and uh, for relaxation and went down and, and along the coast where there are many ports, many inlets where ships would find safe haven and some where they would dock to unload uh, goods. And here he saw something sticking out, it's, and because of the, the the sand shifts there a lot, it covers over things quickly. So if... There's a wave, and it uncovers something, and there was other stuff there as well, um, uh, pottery and things that they, that they found. So they believed that this was a place where, which, which was used as a port of some kind during that period. And they, um, the sword itself is, is very long and, uh, and wide and very heavy, but, and the guy felt that if he doesn't take it out right away, it's going to get covered up, but he turned it over to the Antiquities Authority, and it's again, um, it'll go into a museum someplace, but it's in good condition and it's, it's made of iron, they believe, and uh, encrusted, you know, with the, the sea stuff that uh, accumulates. So I'm sure that we will see much more. But there were a whole lot of things this week discovered. 
people go and look at all the amazing things that uh, that were uncovered. But this, uh, but it's a, it's a good lesson for scuba divers that they can go off uh, the Har Carmel and see these uh, this Crusader night. I mean, you could just start imagining the Crusaders coming in there with their masks and heavy uniforms into the port. It's unbelievable. Likely used by a Crusader. Um, the whole thing is wild. Um, last week, I neglected to ask you about the visit of Angela Merkel to Israel, a, a sort of a swan song, a farewell tour, if you will. Yep. We, we never even discussed the new German government, I don't think. But okay, I mean, we had discussed it before the election. I don't think we discussed it in the aftermath. But anyway, um, and, and obviously it's an important issue. But my, my point is there are some who have been writing articles about the uh, support that the EU, led by her, essentially, uh, has had for uh, uh, for uh, the Palestinians and those in, um, uh, in Israel who are... Um, those in Israel who are... The, the EU providing, uh, what do you call it, supervisory groups, watch groups, you know, the, like what happens in Hebron, etc. And that that is a, you know, a, uh, a negative, um, a negative um, a part of her leadership, so to speak. The EU attitude toward Israel, and she was the leader at the time. What's your reaction to that? So, for one, Germany was generally more defensive than, uh, of Israel than the rest of, of Europe, and often stand, stood up and, and uh, at the UN and elsewhere, and especially within the EU um, discussions. Uh, most of the support comes, by the way, from the New Europe, from the East European countries, who have blocked a lot of the anti-Israel measures, Bulgaria, Romania, Hungary, Poland, others who have stood up at different times to stop the usual one-sided bombardment of Israel uh, that has um, become prevalent. But we're seeing a shift where they have finally started to put the onus on the Palestinians, blaming them for the fact that there are no talks, blaming them for some of their actions, uh, the denial of human rights and free speech, uh, and, and most remarkably demonstrated, by the way, in the last week by Sweden, which for seven years has had no contact virtual contact with Israel, visits or things of that nature. And now they, they uh, the foreign minister was there, and um, this was a, considered considered a very important uh, step, and this comes right after the Malmo conference on anti-Semitism uh, the week before. It's a place where there's been tremendous amount of anti-Israel, anti-Jewish activity, uh, but it's clear that the outgoing prime minister, Stefan Lovin, has the desire to really build a different relationship both domestically but also uh, with Israel. So it's not an all one-sided story, um, but the um, you know the EU has not been a, a very friendly place for the, a large part, and giving money and subsidizing the PA, and in, regardless of what uh, activities were going on, I'm hoping that there will see a change there. We work at it very hard to, to moderate their stands, and uh, this is it's, it's more and more critical, and of course, manifests itself over the issue of Iran. But there, too, I think that there's a shift, that they are reading the tea leaves now, that everything Israel's been warning about, that the events are passing them by, that Iran is going to, is breaking out and can cross a threshold where there is no return. And they keep this optimistic view that they can somehow get back into negotiations. But I think, well, we can talk about the Iran part of it uh, separately. Is, is this a vacuum that's going to be filled, and we have to be careful who fills it now that she won't be the 
you know, leader of the EU, so to speak? Is is there is someone vying for that position, especially vis-a-vis the foreign policy toward Israel? There are no great leaders that we see emerging in the world generally, but certainly not in Europe. Uh, Macron has played a more aggressive role. Uh, we saw that in regard to the Mediterranean and elsewhere, um, and even sometimes domestically trying to undo a reality that exists there. But the the overall, there is no great leadership. Uh, Boris Johnson was not part of the EU anymore. Right. Um, uh, has demonstrated some courageous stance, but overall... I don't. I don't think that there's going to be a competition to replace. We'll have to see as the next generation of leadership. But you, you see the fight in France, where the extreme right and the extreme extreme right are, are picking up uh, votes, and uh, of course the extreme left. And that is something I think for ten years we've warned on the show, telling people what the, the divisions there. When you lose the political center, which is essential to Jews, I think we need a stable system. We need to rule of law, uh, not these demonstration streets where you see these anti-Semitic manifestations, I'm talking about in France and in other countries. Right. Although a lot of what you're saying, I think you would agree we should look at in the United States as well, maybe not to the same degree. And it is the model for the right. United States. Right. That's my point, is that this right. is the early warning system, and that what happens, particularly in England, it comes here, what happened with Corbyn, you right. see the the, uh, the Labor Party, so we see elements in the Democratic Party, right. not parallel, they didn't elect a leader who's like that, but the warning systems about the shift in the political situation with the influx of immigrants, with the, all of the challenges that they face, should be an early warning system for us. With that in mind, am I right or wrong? I, I don't know why I'm inclined to say, I, I don't know enough about this, but I don't know why I'm inclined to say that in the most recent German election, there was a discovery of the center more. Am I right about that? And the- it was. There was uh, a move there. And by the way, the other place we had it most remarkably was in Morocco, which also, again, right. got no you know, coverage when it's good news for us. But right. the king brilliantly has maneuvered the, the handling of the Muslim Brotherhood, which won a very significant, uh, what they would call victory in the last election. This time, we're relegated, I think, to 12 seats and just completely shattered them and uh, putting in people who are very moderate and pro-Abraham Accords and pro uh, you know, the United States. It's funny. You mentioned it last week and then I read about it in the aftermath of our conversation. And this is a, this is real demonstration of leadership. Don't you wish, (laughs) don't you wish all leaders had the, uh, you know, the the vision to be able to plan it ahead. And he said to them, you want the keys here. Here are the keys. You want the Ministry of Education, because he knew they would fail. Right. But this way, the the whole country saw it wasn't, he could have locked them out. Mm-hmm. But then they would have said, oh, you see, you shut them out, and it would rally support for them. You need a and lot of confidence to behave that way. You need a lot of confidence, and uh, and he kept he kept the key uh, the key strings in his hands. Right. When Syria executes 24 people because they believe wildfire activity was really terrorism, I mean, I know there's a rule of law, and I know certain countries do things differently than we do here, but shouldn't there be some international outrage? There should be, and they, you know, we have people being sentenced to death in Gaza for, for uh, so it was including with Israel. You have people being sentenced to long, very long prison terms in, in the, uh, by the PA because he sold land to Israel, to a Jew. 
That's the charge, and, right. and openly admits it. But also, many people sense that the truth is that they haven't carried out many executions. In in the PA, you have to get permission by the by a boss to do it. In the in, you know, on the other hand, in Gaza, they have carried out executions and often doing it to deter people. But it's a good way to get rid of your political opponents too. <laughs> it works when it's huh? convenient. <laughs> um, and in Syria, they have they they have executed. You have. Extra judicial and judicial. You have the courts that rule it, and so one second, all of these if, extremists if, carry it out on their own. So if Assad did not have the 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 ramped up opposition that we're reading about, you're saying he, they may behave differently toward these people. Is it is it the opposition that he has that's fueling this desire to to literally physically remove people? No, that that has been their uh, the general. I mean, even when that's their MO, before the conflict, right. they they executed people right. that they accused of quote collaboration, right. and it's hardly defined, and and the proof is uh, is very slim. You had the arrest in Turkey this week. I think of fifteen people who yeah. they accused Arabs that they accused of being spies for Israel. So is it true Turkey. or not? Is it true or not? Yes, it is true, true. or not. No, but seriously, like I mean, and it's funny when I read this story. They won't confirm it, but but no, the I reports get, from no, people no, no. inside the country are that they that they made these arrests. We'll know more soon, but uh, right, but, but it's still new. But what? But what story? No, no, I get that. But what struck me about the whole thing, and this was when I read it, I said, "This is what I have to ask you about." Just from our point of view, I guess the average regular, you know, Israel lover may not realize just how extensive the Mossad network is in foreign countries. I, I just, you know, it's, it's hard for me to imagine that there could be that extensive an operation, but I guess you would say not, none of this should surprise us, right? None of this should surprise you, right? And But nothing, I mean, it, obviously it's not the Mossad alone, that the intelligence operations of the uh, countries in the region and particularly Israel, more efficiently. Right. How, how do they pinpoint spots in Iran? It's a lot of it done by satellite. Right. can be done by drones. can be done by other means. Right. But you don't know about the movement of troops, for instance. You don't know about what's going on in terms of attitudes in the country. I mean, I speak to people inside Iran, and we, we learn a lot. And it's not military information, but knowing what the economic conditions, how the levels of unrest, the... the um, um, and in particular, in the case of Turkey, it would sound feasible because you have a lot of uh, activity on the border with Syria, and the situation in Syria is very critical. Again, we don't talk about it, but you have the movement uh, in, of Iranian troops, and Israel demanded that Russia pull them back now in the, in the discussions that Bennett had with Putin. When, the, when was that, by the way? Like, like a day ago? Yeah. Just Wednesday, I, think. I don't even know and what that, this is. And that, <laughs> and, and that was Israel or Russia? In Israel or in Russia? It was in Sochi, in oh, uh, Russia. But but the, the point was, uh, I'm sure there was one, that the, <laughs> uh, um, uh, you know, the the, the level of, of um, sophistication of, of stuff that, that everybody is uh, right. is confronting, there was a serious bombing in, in Syria right. of a bridge uh, in which 14 soldiers were killed and many, many more were injured. And it's believed that this will be an escalation, perhaps, to drag Russia and Turkey into a military confrontation. You had uh, other explosions, I won't go through all of them, but mm-hmm. each of them is related to the assessment of the situation. And people, you need intelligence, you need on the ground, and as much as all of the other means are relevant, right. You know the observation, and that's why the drone's ability to be an eye in the sky on, right. on a lot of but, stuff. But or, nothing like good old-fashioned 
in-person intelligence. Well, that's particularly true in places like Yudin uh, Shomron and others, where if you don't know what's really happening inside a village, right. what you don't know what's, you know, the movement of some weapons or things like that. And and we know that there, there's uh, weapon movements. By the way, Iran has cut the number of troops from 20,000 to 10,000 for financial reasons. They've also moved away from where we've reported often that, you know, how they bombed the, the um, airport in Damascus, Israel, because they were transshipping stuff for, for Hezbollah and for their militia in Syria. And now they uh, they moved it to T4. It's, it's an Air Force base, but further away from Israel, and hoping that that would cut back on the number of strikes. But the uh, So you need a, a lot of intelligence for that, and to be pinpointed and to not have civilian casualties as much as possible, and to be able to prevent... Because now you, you have a different situation when you have 200,000 missiles around Israel. Increasingly, they all have now these precision guidance systems. They used to have that they would fire 40 rockets, and one or two would hit somewhere near the place. Now they have these guidance systems, which I hear you can buy off the shelf, um, and, and they manufacture them themselves or they get them from uh, other sources like Iran to to uh, make them uh, much more deadly uh, weapons. Unbelievable. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSiegel.com, and the AlchemSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. So let me tie up two things on this before we move on. The first is, I mean, you're alluding to it, and I'm, I mean, I don't think there's a reason you're not openly saying it, just, just to clarify I mean, if in fact the Turkey example is a good example, we'd be. I think what you're trying to say is we'd be surprised just how much cooperation Israel is getting from other countries' intelligence agencies. I'd have to believe the United States is involved as well in countries like that, right? Meaning, meaning there's a really large network of the good guys, probably led by Israel because they're the most efficient to this, I would assume, um, and and therefore that makes this operation even larger than I would expect, right? I mean, I'm assuming. The operation against the ones that were arrested, yeah. you mean? Yeah, or in, ge- in general, the intelligence and spy system that Israel and other countries have in places like Turkey. I mean, right. I mean, I would guess it's just a tremendous level of cooperation. There is cooperation, and but in the case of the, of Turkey, you know, you have Turkey, Iran, Russia fighting inside Syria against each other as much, and keep maneuvering, and they switch parties and and allies in all of this, and of course, Russia and China, generally within the in the region. But you know, the, the Turkey's naval harassment of Greece, Cyprus, it's it's not limited to to one area where Turkey is active in doing naval drills all over the Mediterranean in the last couple of weeks and live fire drills in the Aegean Sea. And, again, people don't report it. And this is despite the fact that Greek and Turkey have been having these bilateral meetings in Ankara to, to de-escalate the, the tensions, and they turn back each other's ships. I mean, we saw that Turkey turning back um, a research vessel that was uh, Greek Cypriot uh, so there are provo- provocations going on all the time, and if you don't know exactly how much of a maneuver when the war games take place, when Saudi, when the Iranians moved all the troops to the border with uh, Azerbaijan, if you don't know exactly what's happening, and uh, to, to know in time, you could face a very serious escalation that you can't even respond to. Right. And drones, you know, have changed the situation right. a lot, and. Uh, Turk, Iran is specializing in the drones because to make up for their uh, deteriorating air force, but they're also doing a huge maneuver this week 
where they're having uh, many of their planes, um, many of them dated planes too, but they're out there flying, uh, I think, in response to the big exercise that took place in Israel, where the U.K., Germany, United States, others joined uh, Israel in the probably the biggest um, exercise of that kind. And the biggest problem might be, and I don't know how you do this, is you need a scorecard just to keep track of who's, you know, who's enemy on a specific day uh, and whose interests um, you know, someone's going after on a specific day. It reminds me, by the way, of the, the Iraq story that I just saw. I think it was a New York Times story that you know, this guy who's president of Iraq, who was one of the greatest enemies of the West, is now you know, in a reverse role where they're hoping that he'll help stem the tide against Iran. And I guess that's politics, right? That's, that's, that's the yeah, first of all, and you're, not only do you need a scorecard, you need a revolving scorecard <laughs> right, exactly. so that you can keep track of everybody. But, you know, we see that the, um, the efforts in each country and each one, you know, everything is so complex, it's, it's almost impossible to, to keep track of who's angry at whom over what. You know, that you see the Russians and Iranians talking about joint uh, military uh, cooperation and exercises, and why? Because Russia wants to make arms sales after they lift sanctions. So they're training the Iranians to use the Russian weapons so that they'll sell them the Russian weapons uh, afterwards. And the um, and you have so many uh, things like this. But to us, to the to people who really follow it in, in detail, these are all very important. When you have the Russia and I mean Saudi Arabia and Iran competing, so and competing also for people in each other's countries, the the Saudis to the Sunnis in Khuzestan and the Iranians to the Katif region in Saudi Arabia, and at the same time they're having talks. But we know that the talks are not really serious and not going to at this point produce any result. Yeah. Um, if in fact Israel is responsible for Salah's, uh, murder this week or assassination, I should say murder is probably the wrong word. Um, the, uh, it, what's the story here? Is the story that it's unprecedented because the sniper was actually in Israel and was still able to kill him while he was in Syria or there's more uniqueness to this? Well, the, the technical part of it. You know, it's really it's for, impressive. For, for, it's, it's impressive. And, you know, it's like the story in Iran where they show and did the, the, the big story in the New York Times about how right. they had a remote gun that right. was able to shoot it. And are people who deny it? People who say, "Well, it was that was only part of it. It was much more sophisticated than that." Right. Uh, so this this was important. This is a guy who sat in Israeli jail, jails for more than a decade. Uh, was the point man for them on the Golan, and his elimination obviously is very critical. And it's it is not true, people. Uh, that some say, oh, well, they, you know, you knock off one, you'll get two. You get. It's not true. You can't replace these guys who have a lot of experience, who are often leaders. I know Hamas, Hezbollah, they've all had problems when Israel, when somebody eliminates uh, some of their leadership or they get killed in fighting. They can't readily fill that void. So it does make a, a big difference. Oh. And, oh, and I, it's a message as well. Oh, I get that. But I was wondering if the uniqueness of this was just how impressive it is that he was able to do this at this distance and with such precision, or if there's more to it, the Arab, uh, the Arab, um, uh, the Arab angle on this is that 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 this shooting could be, you know could begin a new phase in the Israeli campaigns. I'm wondering if it's just a technical thing, as we mentioned, or if there's more to it than that, because obviously Israel has been doing this type of activity for quite a while. Yeah, they have done it. Look, Israel faces certain restrictions now in Syria about where they can fire from. You know, the Russians have the anti-aircraft systems, and they don't 
usually activate them, or, or the Syrians sometimes do fire missiles at the is coming Israeli uh, um, planes. Uh, but you know, sometimes those rockets that are fired. For instance, we discussed the one. Remember that flew over yep. Israel. Yep. That wasn't a mistake. <laughs> no, it was real. It was a test. They're testing Israel's ability to to deal with a low flying incoming missile, and um, and you know people missed the real message. They thought they were aiming for for to, they're aiming to show that they can reach Demona, but the point was to do it as a, an exercise from which they gather information about Israel's defense system. You know, with that in mind, if I could turn to your political uh, science acumen. I mean, what should we here on this side of the world be thinking when China surprises the United States with a hypersonic missile test? So one is, did we know and how much did we know about it? They said now they're playing it down, of course, the Chinese, but it was very significant in the fact that they could circle the globe and yeah, uh, that's unbelievable. act on it. But there are methods that are being developed that will could address that. Um, and it, it is uh, the fact that it can carry a payload and, and hit a target that the level of sophistication, I think, caught people off guard. And it raises questions. Again, it's about intelligence, about how much do we know with the fact that they've been launching from submarines, water, uh, underwater uh, launches, that they've been launching from a, a, a railroad car, which gives them greater mobility. And uh, all of these are more and more sophisticated expressions of their abilities. And, and sometimes they reveal it just to, as a response to what the U.S. is doing in Taiwan or American military presence. Uh, Russia turned back an American ship where the China and Russia were doing a joint exercise recently in the Sea of Japan. Uh, there are confrontations that go on, and again, the press generally doesn't even. I was just going to say. I was just going to say, with all the frustration we have about the press not covering certain things, it's outrageous that this story didn't get more attention in the United States. And frankly, it's outrageous the White House didn't react stronger than they did. Yes, to, to <laughs> this and that. But yeah. it's just such a flood of things that uh, are going on. Um, you know, why isn't the story of selling land to a Jew means you get a 15-year present term, not a sign right. of what is a racist regime and, and of the horrendous laws that Hamas sends to the death and to the hard labor, as you mentioned before? Yeah. What coverage does it get? What what interest is there? And more and more, you know, this withdrawal, people don't know, and then ignorance dictates what, what your response is. Yeah, I hear it. Uh, when the sunrise turns to the public, not the government. Yeah, of course. When the Sunrise Movement uh, wants to toss three Jewish groups out of their um, voting rights rally, uh, movement. We have to understand this is a <laughs> this is where it's where it starts. I mean, all these all these things, whether it be BDS. A legislation in different states, whether it be you know boycotts that are called for in some of the universities uh, in the United States against Israel, uh, and now this, you know, no matter what, even when we think we are part of a group and a movement, we are always going to be outsiders, and they're they're always going to use the opportunity if we don't push back to uh, to isolate us. It is true, and people who dismiss and say if they don't want us, we shouldn't be there. But the fact is that you set standards and that you then other organizations replicate it, and it then it justifies to these extremists and the haters, um, the anti-Israel Semites, um, to to expand these activities. That's why Zionists was was created by the liberal community as a response to being excluded from the women's march that time, and have done a, a good job to keep the presence and to to counter it and to to try to appeal from the left to to people about Israel. We, we don't want to write off 
major segments of the community. I'm not talking about the, the most extreme elements, but all of those who are attracted to an event, and then that, be, that message permeates it and becomes a standard. And I think it's, it's very important that the, the protests, which you'll hear today and others that are going on about it, um, continue. I know that people will say, well, who cares about the cause, whatever the cause, and not this one or any other. The answer is that once you let that standard be established, you're, you're enshrining BDS, you are making it this, the uh, a justifiable standard for, for organizations, and it could be just that a couple of the leadership and the people themselves don't know. This is a test. When they find out, what do they do? I feel bad because a lot of people, especially those who are who were innocent bystanders in different unions for the last many decades, and you know, were just part of these, uh, whether it be uh, uh, teachers' unions or work unions, whatever it might be. Every time one of these uh, proposed statements, resolutions, etc., comes up, they have no they have no choice but to be on the front line and battle it. And a lot of people honestly don't have the you know the the right tools to 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 go to battle for Israel. And who would expect that they ever have to do it in that type of forum? Um, but all we could do is encourage people to, you know, stand strong and, uh, and, uh, oppose it as, as best as possible. Uh, I heard this week, Sheikh Mohammed Alisa, my pleasure to host also in part, the head of the world Muslim league, probably the foremost Muslim leader in the world, speak at YU, speak at other places, met with Holocaust, um, survivors and spoke out publicly in such forceful terms about the cost of anti-Semitism to everyone, why Muslims have responsibilities, certainly Christians and others, to stand up against it. And, you know, there are hopeful signs. We see that in some of the countries, uh, uh, signs of a decrease in anti-Semitism. But there's a new study, which, again, will get no coverage. Uh, it's a pan-European Action and Protection League surveyed the prejudices, anti-Semitic prejudices in 16 European countries. And on average, and what's interesting is that those that were most pro-Israel often had the strongest anti-Semitic prejudices uh, expressed. Right. And Poles, Hungarians, Slovaks, Austrians accepted anti-Semitic statements at the highest rate in Europe, as opposed to very few in Netherlands, Sweden, UK, uh, and less of response. But sympathy for Israel was given at about a third, and at more than a third supporting that uh, that Israel is an important ally, but the the high level of of responses uh, of uh, hateful responses, negative responses, uh, is very is very disturbing, and and it's a trend that continues. We are seeing real efforts. Uh, Egypt did it. Saudi Arabia did it. Others in the Arab world to change their textbooks to reduce the uh, anti-Semitic stuff. Although there are still manifestations in the media. Uh, and finally, the Islamic Jihad prisoners um, hunger strike is over. Th that was strictly about conditions in Israeli prisons, or was it a bigger political movement? Well, immediately it was because of the the conditions, but obviously it always has a broader agenda. And and this fight or fist fight or almost fist fight between an Arab member of Knesset and an Israeli member of Knesset is a really telling episode. People people should really look at that as a macro and not a micro episode. I assume you agree with that. Yeah, it was very unfortunate, and it got a lot of coverage, and obviously people, because of their cell phones or whatever, get right. footage of everything. I don't know whether it was an intentional provocation in response, but, um, you know, it, it's not helpful in the long run. No question about that. Or short. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak you again too. next week. Malcolm God willing, Shabbos. God willing is right. Yes, let's make it through another week, please, God. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here 
at JM in the AM. It is a Kalbach special day because today is the 20, let me figure this out, 27th yard site of Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach. Wow, so we'll get back to his music after Rabbi Yudin. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Conga- uh, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayera. Parshas Vayera is such an incredible Parsha, whereby we are given such a glimpse into the life of Avraham and Sarah, and we walk away each year from Parshas Vayera feeling at least six feet tall, if not taller, proud to be a Jew. I'd like to focus primarily on the first eight psukim of Parshas Vayera, whereby the Torah describes the incredible hospitality of Avram and Sarah. Now, before we even look at the first eight psukim, I'd like to take a step back and share with you a fascinating concept that Rav Hirsch, Zechronel of Racha, taught, and that is that very often the Torah teaches in the extreme. And I'll give you a few examples thereof. Firstly, the Torah does not simply state that when a man marries a woman, he is to provide her with a a marriage contract which delineates her rights and his obligations to her. It does, however, teach in Parshas Mishpatim that in the event that a father is so destitute that he has to sell his daughter as an Oma Ivriya, a Jewish bondswoman, and if either the master or his son wishes to marry her, then she, the Oma Ivriya, must be given she'era, ksusa, the onasa, food, clothing, and marital relations. Now, if this woman, who comes from the lowest economic strata of society, if she's entitled to a ksuba, then all the more so the rest of women in society. A second example would be that the Torah says in Parshas Kedoshim, You're not to curse the deaf. Now the Torah is teaching how careful one must be with their speech, how powerful is one's speech, and the potential damage that one's speech can accomplish. Yet, the Torah teaches this once again in the extreme. One may not curse even one who doesn't hear the curse. And certainly, they may not curse one who is blessed with a sense of hearing. Another example, in Parshas Kiseitze, the Torah teaches that in the rare occurrence that a criminal is hanged, we are not allowed to keep his body on the gallows overnight. Rather, you shall surely bury him on that day, Kikovor Tikbarenu 
Bayom Ahu. Now this is the biblical source of the mitzvah to bury every Jew as quickly as possible. Right? Everyone is created in the image of Hashem and all are to be buried most expeditiously. The Torah, however, teaches this lesson in the extreme, focusing on the criminal that even he is granted this privilege. And finally, another example in Devarim. We find further on in Kiseitse, the Torah teaches kodosh. Your camp shall be holy. This is understood to mean in areas of tsnius, modesty, as well as physical cleanliness. Another one of those we had at first, cleanliness is next to godliness, culminating in the sanctity of the camp. What is most noteworthy is, however, that this directive, which applies at all times, is taught and presented in the Torah in the context of warfare, that even at such a time, when one could imagine a slackening off of the standards in view of the bigger picture of survival, it is just in that context and circumstance that even then your camp has to be holy. Again, the Torah is teaching in the extreme. And I'd like to suggest that just as in these four examples, the Torah teaches in the extreme here too in the realm of Midos, namely refining one's character and developing one's potential, that here too the Torah is going to teach in the extreme. Now note, there are no extra words in the Torah. And the Torah could simply have said, Avraham hechnis orchim, or Avraham hitztayein b'achnosas orchim. The Torah could have said, Avraham excelled in achnosas orchim, in extending hospitality, and we would have had a certain positive picture and assessment of Avraham Avinu. However, the Torah expends no less than eight psukim, providing every detail. Yes, we need to know the extreme heat of the day. Yes, we need to know how Avram lures his guests by offering a little snack and providing a lavish feast. After whom, after all, rather, for whom was this hachnos as orchim extended? We need to know it's the third day after his circumcision, and yet he runs himself to the cattle to select only the best. Why are we told all these details and more? Uh, firstly, Avram performs his acts of chesed, shalom anas lekabel pras, meaning he does it all altruistically, not looking for any reward. However, we're taught in Bava Metziah 87b that commensurate with the manner of the performance 
of Avram's chesed, namely, that which Avram performed himself, Hashem personally responded in kind to his prodigy. And that which Avram delegated to others to do, again, the Jewish people were rewarded via agents of Hashem, but not through his direct involvement. The first clear lesson from these eight psukim in Parsha's Vayera is that Hashem notes every detail, not just of Avram, but of us. Hashem appreciates it, and it's deposited in the divine bank of Chesed. And just as Avram's descendants were the beneficiaries of his beneficent actions, so too our acts of kindness, Emir Tzashem, will benefit future Jewish nation. Another vital lesson from the extreme chesed of Avram is that the first apesukim of Ayera are not simply a historical event, but rather are to be emulated by Avram's descendants. Let me ask you, where did the Jew in the Shoah, who was given one slice of bread, which he needs for his survival, where did he get the ability to share it with the inmate next to him, though he doesn't even know his name? I believe it comes from Avram Avinu, as I will explain. In Pirkei Avos, chapter 5, Mishnah 3, we are taught, Asura Doros Minoach Avram. There were ten generations from Noach to Avram. In the next Mishnah, we are taught that Avram Avinu, our father, was tested with ten tests. Why asks Reb Chaim Velazhina in his parish, Ruach Chaim on Pirkei Avos, why is it referred to in the second Mishnah as Avinu, our father? And he answers that the first Mishnah is simply chronological in nature, a historical fact. The second Mishnah, however, teaches that Avram Avinu had the ability to overcome and pass his ten tests. As a biological parent transmits many characteristics of their DNA to their children, Avram Avinu imparts spiritual genetics to his descendants, enabling them to overcome what appears to be impossible challenges. How did the Jew in the Shoah share his bread? There's only one answer. He had in his blood the DNA of Avram Avinu. Avram went to the extreme, and this man, a descendant and disciple of Avram, was able to do the same. Am Yisrael, the Jewish nation, is blessed with three avos. And therefore, Yitzchak Avinu is the paradigm of Mesiras Nefesh, the ability to sacrifice literally the very life for Hashem. And it's called Akedas Yitzchak at the end of our Pasha, the binding of Yitzchak, even though the test 
might have been more difficult for Avram to slaughter his son than for the son to be slaughtered. However, we are taught that Yitzchak urged his father to bind him more tightly, lest he flinch and disqualify the sacrifice. This incredible givura, as well, is with is in our DNA, as the following story demonstrates. Rebeleza Silva Zatzal was in a DP camp and was looking for a minion. When nine had gathered, he asked for a tenth, only to be told that a Jew who had been turned off from the Shoah would not participate in the minion. The rabbi asked to meet with the Jew, who explained to the rabbi why he was so turned off to Judaism. He related that in the concentration camp, a Jew had smuggled a pair of tefillin, and he would only allow those who gave him part of their food ration to don the tefillin. This improper behavior so turned him off that he refused to be part of a minion. And Rev. Silva said, I give out. Instead of looking at the one who sadly acted most inappropriately, look at the many who were willing to give up their much-needed rations for the privilege of performing a mitzvah. From where did these men get the ability to literally give of their essential nourishment to perform a mitzvah? And the answer lies in the fact that they have the DNA of Yitzchok in them. And finally, our third Av, Yaakov Avinu, represents the commitment to the study of Torah, which enabled and energized Rabbi Akiva to defy the Roman decree regarding teaching Torah to the masses. Moreover, Yaakov represents the Jewish family. The Gemara Sachim 88a teaches that Yaakov is the paradigm of the Jewish family. It is interesting to note that the initial recitation of Shema Yisrael was said by Yaakov's sons. When Yaakov wished to impart to his children the secrets of the end of days, and this prophecy was withheld from him, Yaakov asked, perhaps one of his children does not share the core belief in Hashem as he does, thereby diminishing the prophetic transmission. And his children responded to him, No, Shema Yisrael, listen, our father Israel, we affirm that your belief is ours, and therefore the Jewish home and family is at the core and of our existence and upon serious reflection, we recognize that it's both a privilege and a challenge to maintain the Jewish home. But we're grateful that we are all the more empowered to so do, due to the DNA of Yaakov Avinu. Ashrenu Matov Chelkeinu. Shabbat Shalom to all.
unto your people you know friends sometimes we don't know where our strength is coming from anymore anymore let me just tell you maybe some of you know it there's a Yidale came to the Holy Land and he fought in 1948 in 56 and he had two sons two holy holy sons 1967 one son left this world sanctify God's name the name of the holy land and now on Yom Kippur second son joined his father Abraham in heaven and I heard the story from the person who has to tell the parents when God forbid the children die. He said they just didn't have the strength anymore. They're driving around the block five times and how can you tell them? But regardless, finally they made themselves strong. They walked up, and they told him, they're so sorry to tell you, your last son is also gone. You know what he did? Hashem God gave him so much strength from heaven. He took a little bit of wine and said, L'chaim, my holy son. L'chaim, I envy you. You gave your life for the holy land. He said, L'chaim, to his wife. L'chaim, L'chaim. You were privileged to have two holy sons who gave their life for the holy land. Hashem,
tears, let's go very strong. I run, la, 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 la. Oh, yes. Hard to wrap up a Kalbach special without that Hashemos. Unbelievable. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody, on this yard side of Shlomo Kalbach. We tried to get in as many as possible this morning. I'm sure there'll be plenty all day long during our Erev Shabbos music mix and more. Mark Zamek coming up with the Erev Shabbos show at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, specific for Parshas Vayera. Candle lighting in New York, 544 on this Erev Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do
time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Well, thanks for all the amazing comments regarding our Kalbach special. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. And um, we have an amazing weekend coming up. Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbos show at 10 a.m. Eastern time. We've got uh, and that's brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Arab Shabbos music mix all day long brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Final hour at about 4.45 Eastern time brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Saturday night Seagull with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler tomorrow night. Uh, Sunday it's going to be uh JM Sunday with Matis starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And I'll speak to you, please, God, on Monday morning. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Till next week, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.